Have you ever cried out with all your soul before God? Have you ever cried out with all your soul to God before the impotence of not being able to change an event? Parents who see their children die. Children who see their parents pass away. People in the middle of catastrophe crying out to God for mercy when they see how they lose everything. The news shows us earthquake in 80, in 80, people crying out for help. Afghanistan, the news shows us people crying out for mercy and help. That cry of despair is a different cry, isn't it? It's a cry of the soul. It's a cry of helplessness. Helplessness. I remember when my mother's sister, after having recovered from a stroke and having shown improvement, fell back into coma and then she died. I had the honor to preach in, at her funeral and... I will not forget my cousins' faces and how they shouldn't, they shouted inconsolably when they saw their mother leave. It's a cry, that cry of despair is differently. When you see the impotence of not being able to change an event. That cry of despair reminds me of the cry of these blind beggars. beggars. These blind men make a, in the narrative of this story, shows that type of cry, cry of despair. And you have been here longer, you will remember that last week, Jesus continues his journey to Jerusalem. Remember that he was born in the place that according to the scripture, he was supposed to be born in Belen. But then he moved to Nazareth and the north of Israel. And then now he's moving down to Jerusalem Well, he knows that once he gets into Jerusalem, he will not be able to go out. His mission will be fulfilled. And he had warned them, his disciples, that in Jerusalem he will be handed over to the religious leader who will condemn him. He knows that. He knows also that, when, that he will be handed over to the Gentile for his execution. And on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus obediently is moving towards his purpose and mission on earth. To fulfill the Old, Old Testament and all the prophecies we have. And here, he's performing his last messianic miracle. If you have been here, you remember that Matthew's intention is clear in this gospel. He's portraying Jesus as the Messiah, the son of David. He's portraying Jesus as God. He's portraying Jesus as the son of man. This messianic title found in Daniel chapter 7 as well. And now Jesus has this encounter before he gets into Jerusalem. Next week we'll have a, the... 
he, the story, he entering to Jerusalem and being received, shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. But before that happened, then we have this miracle, this messianic miracle. He has an encounter with the blind beggars, men, blind men, who cried out for mercy. So let's read it together. Again, these five verses, which is a picture, a beautiful picture of the gospel. Verse 29, chapter 20 of Matthew says, And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and they, and when they heard, when they heard, that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Then what happened? The crowd rebuked them, telling them, be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. It's a cry of despair. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. What we have here is a picture of the gospel. Jesus manifests his compassion again for these blind men who cried out for mercy. They recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised king that came to save them. So in the light of this truth, this text, we as a Christian, as a believer in 2021, without exception, all of us in this room, every Christian in this room that claimed that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, one day Jesus opened your eyes. And we, every Christian without a section is a blind man who can now see, can see Jesus as Savior, who can run to him crying out for mercy and can receive his mercy, grace, and compassion. This is not the first time Jesus healed two blind men. Chapter 9, do you remember? He did it. And he asked them, hey, don't tell anyone. They disobeyed. They went out and spread out the word. But then, today we have this blind man who became follower of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus has done that before and he's still doing that today. Because each of us, in some way, we represent this blind man. A blind man or woman who now sees has some particular characteristics. And I want to point these four characteristics that every single ex-blind man can see. The first one is... That a blind man or woman that now sees, recognize Jesus as Savior. 
recognized Jesus as Savior. Verse 29 and 30. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard, this is important, they heard that Jesus was passing by. They cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Do you think that it was like, Lord? No. It was a cry of despair. Jesus began his ministry, as I told you, in Nazareth. But now he approached to Jericho with a group of pilgrims, pilgrims who are heading with him to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Passover is ahead. So everybody's moving to Jerusalem. And then these two blind men, they're sitting next to the road. Why? Because many people, they knew, many people will come to Jerusalem. And what they do, they, 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 they ask people for help. This man cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Something interesting that I need to clarify just to remove any confusion is that the gospel of Mark only points one man. Do you know his name? Bartimaeus. And you may ask, why Mark is quoting Bartimaeus' name? Some scholars believe, and some people believe, understand, that a good answer to that question is that when Mark wrote this gospel to the people, the church in that time, Bartimaeus became one of his member, believers, followers, well-known followers of Jesus Christ. And he wanted to tell the story of that, of the conversion of a familiar believer, Bartimaeus. It's like if he were saying, hey, do you know who one of those, these blind men was? He was none other than your brother, Bartimaeus. Probably he cried more, louder, we don't know. But... What we need to understand first is why they cried out for salvation. They cried out to Jesus as Savior. In order to understand, we need to understand their condition. The condition of this man is a miserable condition. The blind couldn't not work. And as a result, Jewish society considered them useless and a burden. This man had no hope of getting out of this condition by human means. And as a result, the blind were limited to begging to sustain themselves. Without the ability to see, they were vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable to anything and anyone, vulnerable to be attacked by animals, dogs. Back in that time, very violent dogs. Not like the puppy you have now. <laughs> they were also rejected by religious leaders who believed that someone who was born blind or lost their sight was under a curse and under God's punishment. So can you take their place for an instance, for a moment? Can you just see yourself as a one of those blind men, rejected by the leaders, rejected by the society, incapable to work, incapable to sustain yourself, hopeless. They were rejected by the society that saw it was a hindrance since they were always along the road begging. 
However, although these men cannot physically see, spiritually they had 20-20 sight. These blind men knew that the Messiah would bring hope and salvation. And moreover, they had faith in that Messiah. Although they were physically blind, they could clearly see where they should run to and whom they should cry out for mercy and salvation. There were two, there were two things that they could see clearly. First, their condition, physically and spiritually. And second, they knew where they could find their only hope. They knew that the Messiah could save them. How do we know that they saw clearly where their hope was? Well, the way they cried out. Because they cried out to Jesus as Savior, as a Messiah. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. This is a threefold declaration. They are claiming Jesus as God, Lord. They are claiming that Jesus is the Messiah, and they are claiming that Jesus is their Savior. In just that line, they could show how clearly they see their Messiah. They associate Jesus with the promised Messiah that would save Israel. And that he would perform miracles like healing the blind that the only, only the Messiah could do. How do we know that they made a connection? When would you read Luke, which is the text parallel, Luke says that, and when they, were, they heard a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth. Hmm. Jesus of whom? Where? Nazareth is passing by. And then what they did, and he, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you, the name Jesus was a very common name back in that age. So they made the connection that Jesus of Nazareth was the same one, the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the son of David that will come and restore the life of many, heal the blind, save the lost. They knew it. Do you see they made a connection between Jesus and Nazareth and the, the Messiah? Do you see it? Why they made the connection? Why? This is a very good question. How they got into that conclusion? You know why? How they made that connection and they could plead Jesus for mercy. You know why? Because they heard about Jesus. They could plead to Jesus in faith because they heard about Jesus. They could plead to Jesus in faith because they heard about God's word. To hear God's word, the God, the word that produces faith. That's what Romans 10, 17 says. So faith comes from what? From hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Do you know? You don't need to see to believe. You don't need to see to believe. You need to hear God's word to believe. And let me tell you, church. That's why we read the scripture in the beginning. That's why we worship the scripture. That's why we read the scripture again. That's why we expose the scripture. That's why we end the scripture at the end. Because what God's words produce faith. 
If you get boring and bored because we read the scriptures so many times, the problem is not God's word. It's your heart. We want to honor God's word because God's word produces faith. Faith to what? To believe. To be saved. And these men, they heard God's word. In some point, they heard that the Messiah will come. The Messiah will heal the blind. The Messiah will restore the kingdom. The Messiah will save the lost. They heard that in some point of their lives. And then they made a connection. They heard about Jesus' miracles. And now they plead to Jesus in faith. It teaches us that you can physically see, but spiritually but be spiritually blind. You can be in this room and physically see, but spiritually, but be spiritually blind. But also, it teaches us that you can be physically blind and spiritually see Jesus as Savior and your Lord. What else they saw? Well, they, they saw Jesus as the son of David. They saw Jesus as Lord, and they called him Lord. I know that some of you will begin the Greek class. But let me tell you, the word Lord here is the word curious. And I don't know if you know, there is a version, a Greek version of the Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But it's a Greek version that also the Apostle Paul studied and used that version. The Greek version of the Old Testament called Septuagint. Sounds like you are sneezing. Septuagint. <laughs> and the Septuagint, the old version, the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word Yahweh Adonai, of course, 6,828 times. You know what word they use? Curious. These blind men, they're claiming that Jesus is their curious, their Lord, God himself. And they saw Jesus as God. And that's something that Matthew is trying to do since the very first verse of this Gospel, But also they saw, they recognized that Jesus was the son of David, the rightful ruler in the common kingdom of God. We saw that in chapter 1, verse 1. We saw that in chapter 15, verse 22. We saw in these verses, but also you will see it next, next time, next week, in chapter 21, verse 9, when he, again, now the crowd called him son of David. Son of David is a messianic title. It's a messianic title, and they knew exactly what it was about. Do you remember in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, when the angels appeared to Mary, what they say? This son, he will bring, he will be great, and he will be called son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So, recognizing Jesus as the son of David is recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Son of David is synonymous with Messiah. The Messiah that would earth the throne of David, according to chapter 7, 2 Samuel. 
And this was the most common Jewish title for the Messiah, son of David. And they saw Jesus. They were blind, but they saw Jesus as the son of David, the Messiah, the new ruler, the new king. They saw Jesus also as Lord who will save them and will extend mercy to them. They cried out to Jesus as Savior. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you see Jesus so clear as the blind man saw it. But this blind man could clearly see Jesus as their Savior. This blind man could see Jesus as the promised king who would bring a new kingdom. Can you see Jesus in the same way? Let me tell you, probably you see Jesus as the one who split history in two parts. Probably you see Jesus, you heard about Jesus because you are just coming since you were a child to the church. Probably because you went to a Christian school, Christian college. But until you seek Jesus in the same way that this blind man saw it, you will not meet Jesus. If you can't, you are blind. And you need to, the same miracle that Jesus did to this blind. You need Jesus to open your eyes. So today, not tomorrow, cry it out as this blind man. Cry it out as this blind man. Cry it out with all your soul that you need a Savior. And church, let not get tired of knowing more about Jesus, the Messiah, the promised Savior. I'm so happy that we are continuing to preach on Matthew series because Matthew is teaching Jesus. Matthew is teaching Jesus. And let's not get tired of knowing more about Jesus, the Messiah, the promised Savior. Let's, let us not get tired of studying the purpose of his coming and the promises we have in him. Today we rest in all the promises without doubting that one day we will see Jesus. But today you don't, see, you don't need to see Jesus to believe. You need to hear Jesus to open your heart. Second, a blind man or woman the now sees, cried out, Jesus for mercy. Cried out, Jesus for mercy. 30 and 31 verses. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. I don't know if you can see them crying out. But it was a cry of despair. Don't you read the verses just like a black and white pages. There is color in this text. They were crying out and people were trying to stop them. They were crying out for their salvation and people were trying to stop them. I love it that they not only recognize Jesus as the Savior, the promised Messiah... But they cried out at Jesus as the one who can have mercy on them. And again, they cried out for two reasons. They saw how much they need this Messiah. Can you see it? Can you see it? And also they knew who was the source of mercy was. Who the source of mercy was. Maybe you are visiting and 
don't know what mercy means, maybe you're here because one of your friends invited you to come over to the church because you are new at the college or something, and you are visiting, but you have no idea. Probably you disagree with what we are teaching, and you have no idea what means what mercy means. Well, simply, in simply words, mercy means not receiving the punishment you deserve. Not receiving the punishment you reserve, you deserve. It, it reminds me of this text of Psalms 103. It's not in my notes, but in verse 9, and Psalms 103, verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor reward us according to our iniquities. That is mercy. They know that only God can have mercy on them. The Psalms are packed of Psalms that claim, David claiming about God, this God merciful. Packed. They knew that only God is the source of mercy. And in Jesus, they could find what they were crying out for. In their context, brothers and sisters, they knew that only God is a God of mercy. And they are claiming that Jesus may have mercy on them. And they are crying out because Jesus also is the source of mercy, compassion, and grace. But what happened? You know the story. The, the crowd, the crowd that followed Jesus commanded them to be quiet, silent. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. And some people understand that the crowd was nervous because these scenes take place near to Jericho, home to one of King's King Herod's palace. So the man who loudly proclaimed that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of Israel is a declaration of insurrection for the Romans. And some people said, think and believe that they just stopped, tried to stop them because they, they said, hey, if you continue doing this, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get in trouble. But I don't think, I don't think that it was the reality something else. Why? Because if the crowd were truly convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, they would have affirmed the blind man and not ignored them. I think that the crowd was blind. The crowd was blind. They couldn't see what the blind man saw. They didn't really know Jesus. They didn't know the identity of Jesus. This crowd followed Jesus for the benefits he gave them. Do you remember John 6, 60, 61, 2, 3? When Jesus spoke about the bread of life, the crowd, they felt offended. I think that they belong to this generation. The crowd got, got offended. And what happened? Jesus said, okay. They got offended and they leave. They left Jesus. And Jesus told the disciple, hey, do you want to go too? And they said, no, no. And Peter said, hey, only you. Only you, Jesus. You are the Messiah. Where are we going? We have no place to go. The crowd rebuked the children's parents. Do you remember that a couple weeks ago? And now they are rebuking the blind man. This crowd was insensitive to the need of the others. Not only they did ignore the cry of this man, this blind man, but they commanded to be silent. How can you silent 
a person who has a per who knows who's his savior. The crowd was un unstable. This crowd next week, as we will see next week, will receive Jesus as king, and they will shout, "Hosanna to the Son of David!" And week later, what will happen? They will cry out, Crucif "Crucify him!" Too, he's unstable, inconsistent. And although they follow Jesus, I think they were more blind than these two. But they cried out all the more. They cried out all the more. Imagine, for instance, that some of you stand up and then start to cry out to me, shut down, shut up, Moses, be silent. Just few of you doing that. I may be intimidated, maybe. But when you are under the conviction of who God is, who Jesus is, what he came for, you will what? You will cry it out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And we understand their persistence and desperation because for them, their miracle could be the difference between life and death. That's why they shouted. They had clearly that their hope was. Do you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it in the same way? Church, two things about these verses. First, let's be aware of the crowd. The crowd that blindly follows Jesus is an obstacle. To those who are genuinely seeking Jesus. We don't want to have blind disciples of Jesus Christ. Be aware of the crowd. It, is not, it, on, it not only happened with the blind man. It also happened with Zacchaeus. And probably because Zacchaeus hides. I understand what happened with Zacchaeus. <laughs> Zacchaeus who came of the crowd and who couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd. Church, sometimes, unfortunately, we behave like the crowd. We behave like the crowd when we follow Jesus because it's a fashion, a trend. We became, we became like the crowd when we follow Jesus because of the traditions, but not recognizing who he really is. Sometimes we behave like the crowd when we see the needed by our side, and we are insensitive and prefer to ignore them. We behave like the crowd when we do not show compassion for those who need Jesus and his mercy. We behave like the crowd when you think you know him, but you just follow him for the benefits. We behave like the crowd when we don't know Jesus Christ and his gospel. We behave like the crowd when we don't know God's word. Let's be careful of the crowd. And also, let's be careful of being part of the crowd. Church, on the other hand, give thanks to God who allowed us to see our condition. And allowed us to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah the Lord, the Savior, that one, that Jesus that we worship today, who, who can save you, who can save us, 
Let's cry out for mercy every time we need it. Let's not get tired of crying out to him when we are in need. He is the same compassionate God who stops to listen to us. If you need Jesus, cry out to Jesus and he will listen to you. Let's give thanks to God that he opened our eyes to see our spiritual backdrop, our misery, our sins, and then he provide a way to guide us to his salvation. Give thanks to the Lord because we can now see our sins. There is a friend that he was baptized in the Hispanic service. His name is Rodrigo. The day of his baptism, he testified these words. Before, I didn't see my sins. But now I see them. I am ashamed of them. I repent and I ask God for forgiveness for my sins. Brothers and sisters, that is, that is what salvation is about. When you can see your condition and run to the only way that God has provided for you. So a blind man or woman who now see, recognize Jesus as Savior, cried out Jesus to Jesus for mercy, but also receive the mercy of Jesus. He's a recipient, recipient of his mercy. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open." That's a prayer that every single Christian may do every single day. Open my eyes to see my spiritual condition and to run to you. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately, they recovered their sight and followed him. Pay attention to the progression. Jesus, they cried out. Jesus called them. Jesus listened to them. Show compassion and extend mercy. These blind men are recipient of God's mercy. These blind men have shown their faith with their persistent cries. And they are not saved because they are time crying out. They are saved because God's compassion, God's mercy, God's grace. Not because they cry out louder than any other blind man in the town. It's because God, Jesus himself, had compassion on them. When was the last time we heard the same question that Jesus asked? Last week. You remember? John and Jacob. They, want authority, they wanted authority. One of them wanted to be seated at the right hand of Jesus and the other on the left. Do you remember? But these men cried out for mercy. They cried out for mercy. Mark says something very interesting. Mark says that when they knew that Jesus had to stop it, they threw off his cloak. They threw. And it has a very important meaning. Why? Imagine a blind man that has a cloak to protect themselves of cold, dust, animals. Um, it's a tent when it's raining. Imagine a blind man throwing out the only possession that can protect them. With knowing that if he doesn't recover the side, he will be like, hey, hey, somebody have seen my cloak? But they did it because they knew and believed that they would return with their side back. They will know, they knew it, that they will have encounter with the Messiah, the promised Messiah that will heal them. It was a step of faith. And in the ancient time, the cloak 
was an indispensable part of their clothing. And they threw it away. They threw it away because they knew that they will recover their size. They knew that they will be with the Messiah. And Jesus stopped. And there is this encounter full of compassion and mercy. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? We, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We want, we want, to, we want that our eyes may be open to see you, to see the beauty of you. And Jesus did it according to Isaiah 35, verse 4 and 5. So, that, so to those who have an ancient heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your, goal, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eye of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. In this moment again, Jesus is fulfilling the promises and prophecies of the Old Testament. In this very time, the very first, very moment, as I said, this is the last messianic miracle which is fulfilled before entering Jerusalem and his triumphal entry. Jesus saved them. How do we know Moses? Well, we know it because the word that Mark used is a great word, soxo. It says in verse 52 of Mark, he says that Jesus told them, go, your faith has healed you. But the word used here is the word save you. They were safe, brothers and sisters. And now those blind men, according to the scripture, were saved too. Finally, they only know a blind man or woman who now see, recognize Jesus as Savior, cried out to Jesus for mercy, receive, a, receive the mercy of Jesus, but finally become a follower of Jesus. Become a follower of Jesus. Read the very last lines. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered the sight. And what? Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. Do you understand what is happening? They were beside the way, and now they are in the way, following the way, the truth, and the life. Do you see it? Luke says that immediately they recover his side. Also, they became worshipers. Luke 18.43 says that they recover his side and follow him, glorifying God. So now they become followers of Jesus Christ. They became worshipers of Jesus Christ. And they became witnesses of Jesus. Because Luke says that they, when people saw them, gave praise to God. They became followers, worshipers of Jesus, witnesses of Jesus. Hey, what a picture of the gospel. What a picture of the gospel. Let me wrap up with these words. Some may be here as part of the crowd. Maybe you're here. Young students who come to the church because their parents bring them here. But their lives, motivations are moved by the trend of the culture. By the trend of society and times. Maybe you are in the crowd like, like this crowd following Jesus because your parents bring you here. 
but not necessarily because you have the conviction that he is the king who came to save you. The Messiah who came to give his life because of your sins to reconcile you with God. If you are in the crowd, whoever you are, leave the crowd, leave the multitude and surround the two Christ. Do not pay attention to the multitude. But to what God calls you, surrender to him, repent from your sins, and come to Christ and live to, for him. Maybe you are here, you are not Christians. You are just visiting. You are just pleasing somebody else. If you are visiting this morning, you are spiritually blind. And you need Jesus to open your eyes. You need Jesus. But you need to recognize your spiritual condition. You are deaf in your sins and trespasses. According to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, you are blind. You need a miracle. There is no human condition that can change that but Jesus. So cry out to Jesus for mercy. Confess him as Lord and Savior and follow him. Jesus called you to follow him, not to stay on the roadside, but follow him. The one who said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And stop being on the roadside and follow him on the way. And finally, church, that this story is our story. Is our story. That is the story of each of us who follow Christ. After he opens our eyes to see the greatness of his name and the good news of the gospel. His mercy, his grace upon us. Not because of our works. Not because of our time in the church. Not because of what I have done. Not because of my works, my duties. But because of his grace. Today we can declare, I was blind, but now I see. And I want to just let you know that that's the title of the sermon at the end of the sermon. <laughs> I was blind, but now, now I see. I see my sins, but also I see my Redeemer. I see my needs, but also I see the provider. I see my weakness. But also I see where my strength comes from. I see that I was lost, but I see that now I am safe. And I can declare I was blind, but now I see. Let's pray, church. And I want to invite you. If God has opened your eyes today, if God had opened your eyes today to see your spiritual condition and your need of him, I invite you to come to the stages. If God had opened your eyes to see any form of sin, that is fine. We all are sinners, but we have a great Savior. I invite you to come to the stage. If you are here visiting and you have seen your need of the Lord and Savior, come to Christ. Run to Christ. And play for salvation. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Because your word is a revelation of your son. And, the, and your word is a revelation of you. Thank you for this privilege, this opportunity to preach your word. 
God, continue to open our eyes to see our need. It's not one day need. It's a daily need we have. We have the need to come to you every single day because every single day we sin. But what a wonderful God we have that he's full of compassion and mercy and grace. And in confidence we can come to him. And we pray, Lord, that you open our eyes and we can declare. Everybody in this room can declare, I was blind, but now I can see. I can see my sins, my weaknesses. I can see that I was lost. I can see you as my solid rock, my Savior and Redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand up, church. Let's respond in worship. And as I told you before, the stages are open. Nobody will judge you if you come to Christ. Nobody will judge you. Don't allow the crowd to stop you. And come, surrender yourself to your Lord and Savior.